0: purpose of this is to explain, frankly, why we need to be born again. And uh, we haven't really focused on the specifics of being born again, because we've already talked about that many times. But this is the last lesson in that series. Next week, we're going to be starting a new one. I want to take my text from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. It's a little bit long, but I wanted to read the whole text because I wanted you to get the full understanding of of what Solomon is saying here. I think... That this little portion of scripture perfectly sums up the entirety of the book of Ecclesiastes and what it's really all about and written about. But from Ecclesiastes, verse chapter three, we're gonna read verse four down to verse eleven. And Solomon said, I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit. I made pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were before me in Jerusalem. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I will tell not my eyes from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and that was my portion of all my labor. And then he says this. Then I looked on all the work of my hands had wrought. And on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. King Solomon was the greatest of all kings. Now, he keeps referencing he, that there was nobody greater in Jerusalem before him. And it's easy to note that he was the second king of Jerusalem, of course. Actually, the third king. We got Saul, then you got David, then you got Solomon. So there's not a whole lot of competition there. But remember that the Israelites weren't the only ones that occupied Jerusalem. There were other nations and other nationalities before they came. And so Solomon was comparing himself to all that were before me in Jerusalem, not just those kings of Israel. So he was the greatest king of Israel, not just up to that point, but after that, King Solomon has been known as the greatest in all of Israel. And he made sure that he tried it all. He accumulated wealth, as much wealth as he could, and gold and silver and cattle, and you can read through that long list again. But in the end, he said this about it. He said, after I'd accumulated it all and after I'd tried everything I could possibly try, it's all vanity. And this word vanity in the Hebrew just means emptiness. And what he was saying was that it still leaves me empty and longing for something more. That's kind of what the world does, doesn't it? It's like an itch in the middle of your back. You ever had one? In the most, or or on your nose, you know when you're doing something important with your hands and you can't stop. It always happens at that point, like when you're playing the guitar in a service and your nose itches, and you, go, and you hope nobody notices. You stop playing for just a second. It's it's emptiness. It's an itch you can't scratch, but it's but it's a lot more than that. So the question is, why? Why would he say that? Well, from the words of an old song written by Gritton in Kansas, released in 1977, called Dust in the Wind. These are the words to that song. I close my eyes only for a moment, and the moment's gone. All my dreams pass before my eyes, a curiosity. Dust in the wind, all they are is dust in the wind. Same old song, just a drop of water in an endless sea. All we do crumbles to the ground, though we refuse to see. Dust in the wind, all we are is dust in the wind. No, don't hang on, nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. It all slips away, and all your money won't buy another minute. Everything is dust in the wind. Now that agrees perfectly with what King Solomon was saying in the book of Ecclesiastes. The writer here was grappling with the idea. As the writer of this song, That everything we see, hear, and feel is meaningless. And it is dust in the wind. And that's exactly the same thing that King Solomon was saying. And that's why he said, it's all vanity. You see that word repeated often throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Because he's surveying the value of his life based upon the game that he played. And the game that he played was, who gets the most stuff wins. But that's the wrong game. And that's, that's the same thing that the writer of this song was saying. No, don't hang on, nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. He's saying that we're all going to die and all of our dreams with us. The world will still be here and will still be indifferent to the fact that we once ever even existed. Everything you worked for, all of your dreams, even if you achieved them all. Wealth, fame, popularity, achievements, it's all one day going to pass away like dust in the wind. So from that perspective, it has meaning only in the moment, but like dust that you hold in your hand, and when the wind blows, it blows away, and it's gone, and never to be seen or gathered again. That's what life is like. That's what the moment is like, and that's why the writer said uh, I close my eyes only for a moment, and the moment's gone. Because it's like dust in the wind. Everything we achieve, all of the moments that we love and we cherish, all of our memories are gone, and they only exist in our mind. So from that perspective, it's all meaningless. One day you're going to die for a while. Those that you love will, will gather around your casket. They'll cry. They'll mourn. You may have grandkids. You may have kids. You may have great-grandkids at that point. But eventually, earth and time itself will wipe away all trace of your existence. And nothing will be left. The writer of Genesis said it like this. That man came from dust, and unto dust he shall return. Think about it for a moment. And that's a deep thought. And it's a troubling thought. We don't like to think about it. Play some happy music. But it takes wisdom to realize the depth of that realization and revelation. This was where King Solomon was at. I think it does take some degree of wisdom to come to this realization. Look at Psalms 49 and verse 10. Uh, King David said, For he sees that wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the brutest person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. We're going to buy a bunch of land, 200 acres. We're going to build a big ranch-style house on it. It's going to have a big, fat jacuzzi and a five-star bathroom. And we're going to have 20,000 square feet, and we're going to have horses and land and cows and chickens. And we're going to name it Foster Estates. <laughs> and we think that because we name things after ourselves, that somehow we'll be able to leave our mark forever. But even the best man... Even the most effective man that has ever lived that made his mark like no other, by worldly standards, eventually even his name will perish. Now, we remember great names like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln that lived before us. But if we were to fast forward a couple of thousand years, unless the Lord comes... Even their name would be, even right now, they're already being, <laughs> being wiped away. At least their records are being changed before us. And in just a matter of time, before even their names are going wipe, to be wiped away. So, so, so inwardly, rich people and people that are well-to-do often think, according to this verse, that somehow they're going to continue forever. And they never stop and realize that I'm going to die. They think because I've got houses and lands and kids and grandkids that in some way I'll continue forever. But they don't because eventually their family lineage even will will, will be wiped away. No family lineage lasts forever. Eventually it all ends. It's like dust in the wind eventually the earth and time wipes away all trace of our existence even your family lineage won't last forever no family lineage does and that translates to meaninglessness and that is what the intent of the book of ecclesiastes that was solomon's view of life apart from god because he kept saying that's the view under the sun It's all vanity and meaningless. Everything disappears like dust in the wind. In all of Solomon's attempts at finding meaning, he was searching for a way to make his permanent mark on the world. So that's why he said, I bought houses. I bought land. I increased manservants and maidservants. You know, I got me the very best of everything. And at at the end of my life, you know, and I, I looked out and I surveyed everything that I had gotten. And I still had this feeling of emptiness because death was upon me. He tried and he failed. He tried it all and he failed. He said, it's all vanity. Let me tell you this, with that very grave thought in mind, you need to be born again because one day you will die. The first birth brings death. The new birth brings life. That sums up the whole title, the whole theme of this whole title series. The first birth puts you into Adam. You're born into this world, and whether or not you want to, you are related to Adam. Doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter what color your skin is. At the end of the day, we all trace our lineage back to the same person. The same DNA, as it were, comes all from Adam. But the second birth puts you into Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 and 22, Paul said, for as in Adam, all die. Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. In Adam, everything, everyone is going to die. In Adam, there's meaningless, there's vanity because of what I just spent the last 10 or 15 minutes describing to you. It's all meaningless. It's like dust in the wind. It's pointless. Have you ever been really like, you can't sleep at night and you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning with these grave thoughts like this? if you're a melancholy, then you probably have deep thoughts or phlegmatic. Phlegmatics have thoughts like this, too. If you're a sanguine type of person, you may not have ever thought that deep on things. So I'm sorry to ran on your parade here this morning. Um, You just go along your merry way and and, and keep having a good time. But, But it doesn't, whether you realize it or not, doesn't change the facts. One day you will die. And everything that you have is going to be wiped away in every trace of your existence unless you are born again. Amen. As in Adam, all die. In Adam, everything is meaningless. All the work, toil, dreams achieved, etc., meaninglessness, it doesn't make a lasting impact. Wise is the man who realizes this. But in Christ, all will be made alive because there is a resurrection day that is coming very soon. And my friend, the way this world's going, I'm thinking it's not going to be too much longer. Where we're going to hear that sound from heaven that we've been waiting for. Amen. Not the sound that they heard in Acts 2, but another sound of Gabriel blowing his trumpet. And we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we shall meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And he said, when you see all these things coming to pass, look up, because your redemption is drawing nigh. This ought to be the most exciting time for the church. Amen, because we can see these things coming to pass. So when Adam all die, from an earthly perspective, it means that the memory of you is wiped away permanently. But from an eternal perspective, it means that your spirit goes into judgment for all the deeds done in your body. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the th- account. Th- sorry, that every may receive the things done in his body, according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Hebrews nine twenty seven says, "And as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment." You can live your life any which way you want to live it. At the end of the day, you've got free will, and as long as you don't, as long as you don't break the law and do something extremely and excessively immoral, you can probably live a pretty good life. But even those that live a pretty good life are going to die one day. And everything that they've done will be meaningless unless they've lived for God and been born again. And this is why the writer of Hebrews says, after we die, our spirit goes into judgment. And that's the one thing that is permanent about you. The thing that Kansas missed in their song is that man does have an eternal spirit. Because he's made in God's image. And that eternal spirit goes into judgment after death. Revelation 21 and 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So there's a first death. That's the death of the physical body. But the second death is where your spirit gets sent into eternal judgment forever and forever and forever. And then he said in Revelation 20 and 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the nature of Adam. It's filthy. It's unholy. It strives against the will of God. And one day, God will destroy everything that is in Adam, regardless of how good it deemed itself. And not only will he destroy it, but he'll cast it into the lake of fire forever. And the good sinners will be in the same place as the awful sinners. And that's why you need to be born again, to escape the first and the second death. And there's no escaping in that day. You must escape while there is still time if life is a game the winner is not who gets the most stuff it's who gets out of Adam because many are playing life as if it is a game of get more stuff get more things but they're playing the wrong game just like Solomon was after he had surveyed his whole life and after he had got everything that he could possibly get and and, and after he did everything he could possibly do and, and, and a lot of things that were against the will of God in his life he looked at it all And he said, man, I played the wrong game my whole life. Wouldn't it be sad to get to the end of your life and realize, because you will have a moment of realization. It may not come before seconds, before death, but at some point you're going to wake up and realize that you can't take any of it to the grave with you. Nobody ever came to the grave site with a U-Haul truck. Do you hear the story of, uh, I don't know if I told this before, but this man died and he went to heaven, St. Peter's guarding the gate. And he says, man, and, and this man tells St. Peter, man, I've got so much stuff down on earth and I, I just really want to go and bring out one thing. Peter says, no, it's against the rules, can't let you do that, but I'll let you into heaven. The guy says, no, I just want to bring one thing. So after, after after much coercion, Peter finally consents, man goes down and he you, you know, walks into his bank, checks in his bank account, and he's got, he's, he had invested in gold bars. So he's got all these gold bars, fills a sack full of gold bars, some much he can carry, throws it over his shoulder, goes back up to heaven. And St. Peter you know, opens the bag and looks at it and starts laughing hysterically. And the guy says, what are you laughing at? And Peter says, you brought pavement. <laughs> because the things that we deem important from an earthly perspective, are really not that important from an eternal perspective. Life and the moment will very quickly pass away. Now for those that are over 40 years old, you know how quickly life passed. When you're, when you're 15 years old, life doesn't pass quickly enough at all. You're always waiting to get to 17 or whatever the age is to drive now. You know, 16 to get your permit, 17 to, you know, to... Uh, to be able to drive, then you can't wait to buy your first car, then you can't wait to get out of high school, then you can't wait to go to college, then you can't wait to get married, then you can't wait to have kids, And you can't wait to start your career. And then you turn 40 and you look back and you say, man, life went by quickly. I'm 49 years old, I'll be 50 in August. And I can tell you, life goes by very quickly. And the older you get, the more you realize how valuable the moment truly is. And that's why it takes a wisdom to realize this. That's why Solomon didn't realize it until the very end of his life. I mean, Ecclesiastes obviously was written close to the end of his life because he had done everything. He said, I experienced it all. I've tried it all. And it's all pointless. It's all meaninglessness. Now, I know we we want to live with as much reasonable comfort as we can, but in all of our giving and all of the stuff that we buy, don't forget the kingdom of God first. We must put the kingdom of God first in everything that we do. Our giving, our time, everything. Everything else comes after that. Nothing is more valuable because that is the one thing I can invest in. You know, when you look at, you know, we're getting ready to have, what is it, next Sunday? The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. And if they win, they will. I hope. The moment won't last very long. And they'll already within a week be talking about how we're going to do it again next year. The joys of this world do not last. There is no joy in this world. There's only happiness. Happiness is dependent upon the things that happen to us. If you win the lottery, you will be happy. And if you pay your tithes on it, pastor will be happy on it. (laughs) Because then we don't have to worry about no building program. We can we can go build our own. Amen. You can hire whoever you want to hire and money won't be a problem anymore. You're happy, but happiness, that happiness I guarantee you will only last for a short amount of time. Right. Buy a new car? How long does it how long does the new car happiness last? Month maybe until it gets junked up. We don't really junk up our cars, although Brian doesn't need to be vacuumed out right now. But after a while, it just its like transportation. You get in it, and you start it up, and it takes you to the next spot. And it's just, you don't like say, man, I got a new car. So happy I got a new car. You know, like six months from now, you're not really talking about a new car. So there's no happiness in the world. There's only joy. That's why David said, in thy presence, there is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. So, so life is not a game of getting more stuff. Jesus said it like this Matthew 7 and 13. Entry in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which to go in there out, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads to life, and few there be which find it. You can't get out of Adam unless you get into Christ. That is the only way. You can't live enough of a good life to get out of Adam. Amen. We're all born with an incurable disease, sin in the nature of Adam. That is a fallen, sinful nature. That's why 1 John 3 and 14, the apostle said this We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. We have passed from death. Death has no power over you. Whatever you believe happens after that, Jesus said, I have abolished death. We do not experience death. We go into the presence of God, or or you might believe that your spirit goes and you rest in the presence of God. Whatever it is, we're in the presence of God. Amen. And and, and, and that is the comfort of the Christian. So the new birth, according to Acts 2.38, appropriates the work of the cross into our life. It puts it into effect. The gospel is not Acts 2.38. The gospel is, 1 Corinthians 15 and 1, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Acts 2.38 is how we get that work into our life. It's how we appropriate it. Therefore, if the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection, and Acts 2.38 is how we apply that, then to reject the gospel, according to Acts 2.38, is to reject the work of the cross. You can't say, well, I want this, but I don't like this. I'll get baptized and repent of my sins, but I don't want that tongue stuff. I don't want to to do that. I don't want to lose control of my faculties. I'm too ashamed to do that. You can't do any of that. God will pass you on by. You got to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Many are putting their good deeds, but we, many are putting on their good deeds, but we must put on Christ and obtain his holy nature. This is precisely why Jesus told Nicodemus, You, Nicodemus, must be born again. But Nicodemus was a good man. He was a Pharisee who obeyed the law. He prayed. He read his Bible. He gave to his church. He even stood in the pulpit and taught and led people. But he was not in Christ. And therefore, no matter how much, much he obeyed the deeds of the law, he still needed to be born again. And if a man like that needed to be born again, then compare your life, no matter how good you are outside of Christ, to that life that of which Nicodemus lived. Furthermore, uh, as we close, I just want to read this verse from Acts 18 to verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus, This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took unto him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Apollos was mighty in the scriptures, fervent in his spirit. He preached biblically about Jesus. Many would say he was saved, but you got to read the rest of the verse. Aquila and Priscilla came unto him and said, we know that you only know the baptism of John. That was repentance and water baptism. But they said, there's another way, there's a more fulfilled way, got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. A lot of people today in this city want to take you down the old Roman road, but I want to go down the Jerusalem road. I want to go down the way that's straight and narrow and leads to life everlasting, because that is the only way that there is to be sent Let's stand. Let's lift our hands to God. Let's thank Him for that. Come on, let your voices out. for.